Welcome to Sunday Morning Quarterback with Jay Stockwell and Bob Frady. Yumi, how are you, man? I Saturday am morning. feeling Woo-hoo. fine. We won the game. We won a game. We won a road Wait, game. On. We didn't win the game. The team That's won true. the game. We were there yes. watching them win the game. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So goodness prevails. The brawling Nebraska guy defeat the culturally inappropriate University of Illinois. 20 to 7, and there is joy in Lincoln today. <laughs> what a defensive performance. It starts with the, you know, goal line stand. Three, three fourth down um, stands for the for the defense. What a defensive masterpiece it was for the boys. Well, I tell you, you, we, Jay, Jay and I were actually sitting next to each other watching this game in the comfort of Jay's basement. Because the weather went from summer to bummer in like three days in <laughs> Illinois. And, and in Minnesota. It, We're in Minnesota, Bob. Remember, yeah, but or... the weather in Illinois, too. Both oh, places. Okay. It's terrible. Okay. okay. And so here comes Illinois. Get the opening kick. Get the opening kick. Five-yard penalty. They go backwards. And then immediately matriculate all the way down the field to the one-inch line. Now, they have a giant at running back. He's 6'3", 250. I forget the kid's name. But yeah, yeah. on the on the goal line, when you need to gain one foot, I would say give it to the giant. <laughs> if he just falls over, he'll get in. So what do they do? They don't go with the giant. They they go with the smaller guy. He gets stuffed. And then what do they do? Shotgun formation on with yeah, yeah. to go. My <laughs> least favorite play in the history of football is shotgun <laughs> formation on short yardage fourth down. It's like, what are you doing? You're just giving the defense time. So it serves you right. Bad coaching staff from Illinois. Bad play calling. Got a giant. Use the giant. Get him in the end zone. But I'm thankful that they didn't because the big red prevailed and then marched down the field and and scored a field goal. You mentioned mentioned penalties. Boy, the penalties were frustrating. Uh, Nebraska had 10 penalties for 70 yards. But if you watch the Matt Rule presser, he actually came out after the officials. Um, apparently, uh, Illinois was making calls on the line of scrimmage to try to draw our guys off, and that is illegal. In fact, he had made a call to the league office this week to clarify if that was illegal, and it is illegal. It's against the rules, and they're not supposed to do that. So very rarely, I mean, coaches don't talk about uh, officiating because you can get in trouble for that. Uh, but Miles kind of came out after him and uh, sort of defended his guys. You but, mean rule, rule? Yeah, Miles. Yeah, what a Miles. Miles is our guest later, it's and a I special was, guest. I, Hold I, on, I, let's focus. We'll get to him. We'll get to him. <laughs> Stay on the game. You, uh, Bob. Yeah. You, you have been interrupting me lately. What is going I, on over there? Because if I don't interrupt you, I'll be silent the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> let's do the Husker Max two minute drill. Do the um, stats. Do the stats. All right. So fairly even game, like 312 to 310 in terms of total yards. But we, again, 19 rushes for 21 yards we held Illinois to. So our were rush. You su- were you surprised by those numbers? I was shocked to see those numbers were so close. I thought Nebraska just dominated the game. And then what? the yardage is the same. No, 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 no. Uh, see, we got – so in the second half, we got into the red zone four times and took away – three points 
So the turnover battle, I think we won the turnover battle overall, but we had a costly fumble in the second half. The penalties I already talked about, but time of possession, 37 to 22, very, very much in Nebraska's favor. Um, we were one and one for fourth down conversions. They were one for four. Uh, again, we had our three stops, which was which was awesome. Uh, and our sack game came back. Um, we had uh, we were uh, you know two sacks for uh, for eight yards, so we're still up there in the in the overall sacks. But again, the rush defense and the overall defense, uh, pretty pretty fantastic. Let's just check in with uh, some of the writers here. Tad Stryker, I love this guy. Uh, the black shirts patiently, time and time again, showed offense how to close out a team, but the offense simply was unable to comprehend what they were seeing. Yeah, they, I mean, lots of lots of commentary about how sort of inept the offense was this game. You know what? Poor sports writers. I feel bad for sports writers because they have to create controversy just to get clicks. The offense was kind of bad. <laughs> you know what? In the first half, it was it was weird. It was like Jekyll and Hyde. Was there like a full moon or something? Because it was. They were great in the first half, long, yeah, yeah. long completion. Maybe when Washington, when Washington went down, it was it, that impacted things. But seventeen nothing. I I looked at you halfway through the second quarter. I'm like, how do we behave when we're up seventeen to nothing? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they, they scored a TD like two seconds later. I was like, I should just shut my mouth for the rest of the game. So the last <laughs> one was Chris Dawson. This is Sam McEwen. So long as this offense re, uh, remains young and inconsistent, burns timeouts like bingo cards. And loses wideouts at a rate I do headphones. The Husker defense has has to play at a master level. I would agree with that. It was pretty tough watching some of those formations. It's like, you know, you you hope that you have a mature offense and you don't. And and you're playing a lot of kids because a lot of people have gotten injured. And and you gotta you gotta, you know, you gotta fake it until you make it. And it, it it's it's you know, Malachi Coleman had his first catch, which was lovely to see. Should have had a second catch. He was wide open, but, you know, Harburg just overthrew him. Rule talked about that in the uh, – talked about how he stepped up in the postgame presser. So, yeah, yeah, Mal good to see Malachi out there. He's going to be a great player. It is. Here's my prediction, and you're going to hate this. You're going to hate it. Jeff Sims is coming back. Yeah, oh, you know what? Well, let's but let's let's talk about him for a minute. I thought what a what a great teammate he's been on the sidelines. He's you been know, fantastic. Sit, yep, s sitting over there with his with his high ankle sprain, and just being a great great teammate. Um, this is something I'm trying to get across to both my kids. You know, like when you're when you're not in the game, just be ready when your when your name is called. You know, but when you're not in the game, you got to be a great teammate. You know, and Jeff Sims is uh, providing a, a, everyone a really good example uh, of it's, that. It's got to be tough. You know, he got off to a tough start, then he got injured. It's like. You know, you're the competitor and you want it, wants to be out there and you have the choice. You can pout or you can be supportive. And it's great to see him, at least from what we can see on TV, being supportive. Our prediction of, you know, bowl eligible in a month is very possible now. This, I mean, we've lost the last three games with, with Illinois. Don't so. go too far into the future. Focus <laughs> on today. Dare I say anything about the potential to win the Big Ten West, which is an absolute, you know, horror show um, yeah yeah it's a car show one more arnie just one of the words used to describe nebraska last week hesitant there was none of that on defense against illinois so that's good last one from scott ritchie from the champagne news gazette nebraska did all the things it used to do wrong under scott frost silly penalties and turnovers and got away with it because illinois was so much worse well 
I wouldn't I wouldn't just throw it all on Illinois. Our defense is very good. So, uh, but the silly penalties and turnovers, I agree. The defense is very good against teams that aren't very good, and teams that are very good, like Michigan, it 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 has its issues. But yes, most teams aren't like Michigan. You know, who else are they going to play that's like Michigan? Nobody. It's a good effort from the Black Shirts. They they did a great. It was nice. It was nice being able to do this and have it mean something. Uh, whereas last year, it's like this. You know, this lane is closed. Please go over here for your touchdowns. You know. This is it's it's nice to see the black shirts. Now I think that we need to get to our personal predictions for the game. We got it wrong in the last podcast. Nebraska was the underdog in this game by three and a half points. And yeah. you had predicted what? Twenty one seventeen. That's right. And I had predicted twenty to fourteen, two touchdowns and two field goals, which is exactly what they had. And I have to tell you, I was rooting for Illinois. To score another touchdown late in the game just to make it 20 to 14. And so I would I would impress myself. <laughs> I'm like, don't do that. Don't I, 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 I thought you said it was gonna be three to two. That, that was the initial <laughs> prediction. And you know, in the second half, I think it was. It was three to nothing in the second half. So um it was it was good to see some glimmers of hope. I I still think you know you got a good tight end out there who who just looks like he runs he runs around like the incredible hope. It's like, like, just throw him the ball. Get him open. Throw him the ball. But, you know, um, hey, let's take the win. Let's be happy. We're going into a bye week. This needs to get two weeks of happiness for the price of one. Excellent. Excellent. Hey, I think we need to uh, thank our viewers. We got our data for September uh, and across all platforms last month, we had 60,000 viewers. Uh, so thank you very much. What are you people doing with your time that you're listening to us? What's, what's wrong with you? Go kiss your and, wife or your husband or whoever. You know, it's like you know. I think it is. It's harvest season, so people are out. They're they're harvesting, so they need something to do. So they're listening to us, which is fantastic. We love that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. In a major show of appreciation, we are going to be launching a store on our website at SundayMQ.com next week. Hopefully next week. Bob's in charge of it, so we'll we'll see how Hopefully. he does with his time. Slow, yeah. slow, huh? slow your you and your future selling. Stop it! Focus. <laughs> we won the game. Be happy. Yeah, yeah. We won the game, and we have an awesome we have an awesome interview coming up that we had to pre-tape because of recruiting and all that stuff with Tim Miles. That we're coming up next. So you know, stay right here, and Tim Miles will be next. So Coach Miles. Uh, let me just tell a story about how I got to know Coach Miles. So uh, I've been really blessed to know Tom Osborne for a long, long time. And right about the time that uh, Coach Miles got hired, uh, a cousin of mine who had adopted a, a, a baby in South Carolina uh, or North Carolina, a uh, kid grew up to be six foot nine, Paul Malay is his name, still playing professional basketball in South America. But at the time, he was considering coming to Nebraska. So I called, called Coach Osborne, and he said, hey, we just hired this basketball coach. I'll have him call you. And I, I hung up, and, and literally five minutes later, Tim Miles calls. And so I gave him all the information, and Paul really wanted to play right away. And so Tim knew of, of a team, South Carolina, I believe, uh, South Carolina Aiken, I think, and put him in touch with a friend of his, and Paul got to, to start and play right away. And I had completely forgot about the interaction 
and I was at a conference in, in uh, Scottsdale and I was walking in, I was actually given a, uh, I was on a panel discussion at, at this conference and this 402 number comes up. So I answered it and I'm like, somebody from Nebraska, cool. And it was coach miles. Well, uh, at the end of the, he just was giving me the update on what, what happened with Paul. And I thanked him for that. And, and he said, Hey, next time you're in, give me a ring next time you're in Lincoln. And that was literally in the first couple of months of his, um, his coaching stint at Nebraska, uh, which lasted seven years. And so, uh, I did that, uh, called him and, uh, over time we played a bunch of golf together, took my son down to his basketball camps and, uh, became friends, uh, ended up going to multiple games. Um, uh, we went to the, uh, big 10 tournament a couple of times, New York went out to, uh, I went to games at St. John in New York, went to uh, college park, went to Michigan state, uh, and of course, multiple games in, in Lincoln and, uh, and just became really, really, uh, over time, really, really close to, to Tim. I actually went out to his first game at San Jose state. It turned out to be his 400th win. And, um, and so we've stayed in touch and I'll tell you what, he's doing great. And you're going to hear all about it here in a minute. He was the mountain West coach of the year last year, took a team that hadn't won 20 games in 20 years and won 24 games that went 24 and 14 last year. Um, and uh, we were going to wear the same clothes that we wore in the taping with him on Thursday, but I can't find the shirt I was wearing. I have no idea where well, it is. We, <laughs> we managed yeah. to find the same clothes we wore because my house isn't that big. But, you know, I understand. <laughs> we will we'll take the loss on this one. We, because this is the same. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is the same. And you want to, you know, Stockwell, you wonder why I interrupt you. You just, you just ambled. That's a, all right, sit, sit back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm about to tell a story. A very long story. Full of detail. And twists and turns. But you will be pleasantly surprised by the outcome and richer for the experience. Well, there you go. So that is a good segue to, to Coach Miles. So. Uh, we are going to say goodbye. Congrats to the Huskers for the big win, three and three. Woo! Oh my God, Coach Miles, here we go. So Tim Miles, my friend, Mountain West Coach of the Year for 2022-2023. If only Nebraska could get a coach like that. <laughs> Twenty-four and fourteen puts Amari Moore on the Milwaukee Bucks. What a season. Congratulations, Coach. Jay, thanks. For, guys, thanks for having me on, first of all. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm i excited to be here. Uh, Nebraska is a place near and dear to my heart. Okay. Hold on a second. Let's not get too excited. We're barely excited to be here. So if you're excited to be here, you might overwhelm us with your excitement. I'm just so a, I'm a people person, man. I'm just a lover. That's just the way I go. <laughs> but I appreciate you guys having me on so we can talk a little Spartan basketball. Yeah, man. So tell us, tell us about the season last year. So I was there for your first game, your 400th win uh, in uh, what's this? What's the arena called there? It's the Provident uh, Credit Union Event Center. Yeah, nice. And uh, that was really cool. Your family was there. How's your dad, by the way? Dad was 3-0 and last year. He, he came to three more games last year. Colorado State on the road, a couple of home games in uh, February and, and reminded me when we were in the semifinals of the Mountain West Championship that uh, he's three and zero, and if he want, if I wanted to beat San Diego State, maybe he should be at the game in Las Vegas. I didn't well, do that. Yeah. We lost you the know, game. You know, 
can we get him to come to some Nebraska yeah. football games with us? Yeah, he because does. I think we're zero and three he's, for our last three. He's got a pretty good record. He's doing great. So 90, how, how, he's be ninety-seven here in a month. Ninety-seven. That's what I was going to ask. That's wild. That's wild. And uh, and your brother, brother's doing good. Yeah, my brother's great. My three sisters are good. The family's all doing well. My son's a, uh, you know, my son won the state championship in the state of Nebraska last year in the big schools. Uh, he at Lincoln East, he won the 400 meter dash. He got third wow. in the 200 meter dash. Now he's up at North Dakota State running. And uh, my daughter Ava Grace is uh, going to graduate in December out here. And so nice. everybody's doing good, man. Everybody's doing good. That is that is awesome. Well, you put together one hell of a season last year, Tim. Uh, tell us about it. Uh, I mean, obviously, Amari Moore is a special player, um, but but how did you put that together? And what what a year! And ends with you being named coach or uh, yeah, coach of the Mountain West. Uh, yeah, coach, the coach of, the of the century. I thought is what they called it, but maybe they changed it. <laughs> that was just us. That was just us saying that. Okay, we're, we're trying we're, we're we're trying to make a thing out of it. So just keep repeating it. Yeah. I've heard if you tell a lie long enough, everybody will believe it. That's what I've heard. Uh, you, you, you might become president. There you go. That's uh, how it works. Anything could happen. So, uh, I think you you hit the nail on the head, Omari. Uh, you know, there's one good way to become a Mountain West Coach of the Year, and that's to have the Mountain West Player of the Year, which I had in Omari, yeah, yeah. and he was terrific. Really, um, you know, it was really special to watch his development. And, and, and how he, um, you know, I think when we got here, he was averaging, you know, eight or 10 points a game. And I think he'd made five or six three-pointers the season before. And I think he made 60-some last year. So you saw real growth and real development. But that came with a lot of hard work, not only by our coaching staff, but certainly by Omari. He was a game changer for us. And we were able to go to the transfer portal pre-NIL, though, and uh, pull out a couple guys. And uh, it's 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 funny if, as you look at the um, evolution of this whole thing with the transfer portal and immediate eligibility, which really changed things. You know, it used to be recruiting was this art form, like you get to know a kid and you figure out if you had a development plan for him and how he could impact winning and what about the educational value of the school and and now it's kind of transactional. <laughs> it's hey, how much dough do I get and for how long? And when I say zero. It usually ends the conversation real quickly. You should tell them things like they get a free subscription to Google Analytics or something like that. Set you up for the rest of your life. You're in Silicon Valley, man. And, yeah. and we're going to give you all the you know analytics from our friend here, Jay Stockwell. And uh, and he, he's going he's gonna to map out your future for you. Let's del delve into this issue a little bit. So uh, Colin Coward's out there saying that NIL and the transfer portal saved college football. And clearly, Deion Sanders uh, has had kind of a different vision in how he was going to do it. I thought when when Colorado picked him, it was, boy, it was either going to work really well or wasn't going to work at all. But he leveraged both NIL and the transfer portal and managed to put together a, a team. And there's a, there's a wing of the media establishment that thinks this is good for uh, college football. What's, what's your take there? I think good is a little heavy. But, um, uh, yeah. you know, as I look at things, you know, those pro guys like like Dion, who's a, obviously a phenomenal professional athlete, you know, you look at maybe in college basketball, uh, the guys like um, Eric Musselman, who was a pro coach for a long time, who came in and when he was at Nevada, you know, rehauled everything, overhauled everything, brought in a whole bunch of new talent, does the same thing at, at Arkansas. 
you know, there, there's a way to that. And of course, I was always a developmental guy, like a lot of us traditionalists. All right, you take a guy, you put together what we just talked about earlier, this developmental plan, how we're going to work together and how this is going to go. And, and certainly the portal with immediate eligibility. And that's really where the portal changed. If you look at some of our best guys that we ever had in Nebraska, you know, certainly you look at a guy like Glenn Watson, Siobhan Shields, who are great high school players to develop. But I mean, those guys like Terran Petaway, those guys like James Palmer Jr., Isaac Copeland, Isaiah Rover is a developmental guy, but those transfer portal yeah. guys really, really were big for us and were some of our best players. But they all, most of them had to redshirt. Copeland did not, but the rest of those guys had to redshirt. And that redshirt was good for them. And that's gone now for the most part. Uh, and, and now that there's no penalty, you obviously, where you used to lose two, two kids, maybe three, now you're going to double that, right? The rule in football and men's basketball, the rule in almost every other sport was, you you were always immediately eligible as soon as you transferred. There was a, just a couple sports where that wasn't the case. Well, they 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 waived that for football and men's basketball. There might have been one other sport like baseball or something else too. I forget. Uh, I'm not sure about any on the women's side. So forever you could play at one school and then the next year have to sit out at your next school for one season unless you got this waiver. Well, you know, the transfer portal changed that when they went to the portal system. What Got really it. changed was immediate eligibility. That's what changed. So Got now it. everybody that transferred for the first time was immediately eligible at their next school right away. Got and it. so more kids transferred. You could build it quicker. You know, you could go get guys. Well, they're also open. Oh, oh, that also introduces circumstances that aren't necessarily in the best interest of education and value and stuff like that. If there's tampering, if you know, uh, all of those things that go in. Well, almost at the same time, NIL became a thing. And, and, and now, you know, NIL, you know, started year one, you ask a kid, Hey, where's NIL on your thing? This was like three years ago, you know, Oh, it's fourth or fifth on their list after year two, which would have been last year recruiting. Uh, it was second or third this year of recruiting. It's number one, you know, it's number one. This is, I want to know what, what the check looks like. And so it's wow. really, you know, changed that art of recruiting. And, Bob was talking, he and I were talking before you got on, uh, was it Utah State, Bob, or Utah? That U just, Utah. Utah For just gave every player a brand new Dodge Ram. All 85 scholarship players got a car. Yeah, that's that's unverified. That's what the that's what the tweeter says. And so the tweeter might not be telling the truth because that occasionally happens. You know, everything but you ever you... read on the Internet's always true. So, <laughs> no, there's a grain of truth to it. You know, it might be a big grain or a tiny grain. Yeah, is it, so are you, Tim, are, you, are any alumni stepping up at San Jose State to help you compete in this new environment? We're working on that. Yeah, and I would say that um, mighty mighty oaks grow from the tiniest acorns. And I'd say we're in yeah. the tiniest acorn stage. <laughs> nice. But there's but there's got to be there's got to be some alumni that have hit it big out you there. Think, yeah? Yeah. 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 There are. Yeah. Yeah. And well, we're yeah. trying to, you know, um the, the, the thing I think that you guys have in Nebraska, which is so cool, was awesome to be a part of for so long, was this kind of intensity of fandom. Like there was a, a true intensity of support uh, for the student athletes, for the programs, from the fans, and certainly the media part of that, too. And, and there was this real intensity about that. Talk about no sense. Yeah, Sunday. that was kind of fun, right? Yeah, just, just talk about that. So yeah. for people, who, I'm just glad great. we won that damn game. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, so we needed a team that went to the Final Four, got us in the NCAA tournament, and it was one of the most electric days. And I think, hands down, the best atmosphere I've ever been a part of in any way, shape, and form as a fan, 
I've been to NBA finals, closeout games. I've been to all kinds of stuff. Not been to the Super Bowl. Bad timing for my profession. But but you look at the amount of things that went on that day in March 2014 in, in Lincoln, Nebraska, and it was one of the more super cool events of my life. Uh, and and who'd you beat? I can't even remember. Wisconsin. Who'd you beat? Wisconsin. Yeah. That's right. We beat. Yeah. We beat uh, Michigan State the weekend before at Michigan State when they were like 11 or 12 in the country. And then, uh, and then I think, uh, I think Wisconsin was six, seven or eight and we beat them at home. And then you went to the, you went to the tournament and got kicked out of the game in like five minutes. What happened? Well, it was, it was the first, it was the second half early, kind of midway through the second half. And apparently there was a, uh, you know, a, uh, What's the old uh, cool hand Luke story? We got a failure to communicate or whatever. <laughs> I think I told him to suck raw eggs and he didn't take that the right way. And he did suck raw eggs. And he did, yeah. yeah. But you know what? Well, we- um, uh, it, 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 Baylor was really good that year and they destroyed Creighton the next game. Uh, and uh, and it was, uh, it, was, it was a great experience uh, for most of us involved. Well, I can say as a... Uh, close observer of your program we miss you <laughs> well, you know what uh uh again nebraska athletics i know right now you know they've hired really good men and and really good women and there's a lot of successes in 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 a lot of different places and and i just think it's a matter of time for those sports like that i deal with with men's basketball and football to to for that to happen again it's too good of a place not for that not to happen do, do you think it's hard for a university to be good at multiple sports? I, you know, I think it's, it's no, I don't. I think it's cyclical, but I think the competition and the, and the, and the size of these conferences are so big. And when you won the big eight, there was only eight teams, right? I mean, in the old days, right? Like, and, and now it's at least twice as big, maybe even bigger. And, and, you know, so, you know, you know, the value on that conference championship, the, the schedules are so uneven and, and I remember one year when the Big Ten expanded, Iowa, who's our next door neighbor, is supposed to be a rival, right? We played them like on Mar or uh, January third, right? Of like let's say 2015. We didn't play them again until like March. You know, like it was 14 months later before we played them one other time. You know, and they were that's our rival. That's I mean, we didn't play we only played them once a year, and it wasn't even within the calendar year. And yeah, uh, and it was just like I was just like, aren't isn't Iowa supposed to be our right? Shouldn't we play them on occasion? You know, and that's what the big leagues give to you. I, I really wish we'd get back to some form of regionality. You know, uh, for everyone's sake involved. So when I'm I wholeheartedly agree and think that all of this hoo ha around these super conferences is going to end up destroying them in the long run. Well, because you know what happened you- with the Mountain West? If you think how the Mountain West was created. In the West Coast, from the West, from the Rockies on, uh, 100 years ago, they formed this super whack, and they did four quads of 16 teams, four teams of four, and and it wasn't very popular, and it wasn't very well received by the fans and everybody else involved. So finally, then, the nine schools, the Mountain West schools, which at that time were uh, Utah, BYU, Colorado State, Wyoming, New Mexico, San Diego State, um, and I'm missing a couple, but... um, uh, all got together and formed um, the Mount West, right? And and it was in the Mount West has prospered and lost some of those key members, but added real quality. Added TCU eventually, then Boise, 
and now these California schools, Fresno and us, uh, and, and, and Nevada, uh, you know, and Utah state. And so it's, you know, some really good things have happened, but I mean, we've already seen it fail once. I don't know why it would surprise us if it happens again. What happened in the PAC 12? Cause here you got Washington and Oregon just light it up. Is it just that you know, the TV came in and it was just so attractive they couldn't turn it Yeah, down? I mean, honestly, when when UCLA and Southern Cal went, I you know, I think everybody thought, oh, the, the Pac Pac ten, Pac twelve is really in trouble. And it only made sense that the if the Big Ten was gonna go west, they needed to build a western border. You know, I used to tell Jim Delaney that he should build a western border by adding Oklahoma and Kansas uh with Nebraska. Thought that it would be great to see that football rivalry rekindled and two very strong schools. And then you add a premier basketball place because at the time they were talking about this when they were adding um, just when they added Rutgers in Maryland, they were talking about trying to add Virginia and North Carolina. And I thought the Western Ridge, I didn't think it was going to go to the Pacific uh, uh, Ocean. But but at the same time, um, you know, you, you knew they probably had to build a Western Ridge They you know, two wasn't enough. There's was going to have to be a couple more. Washington and Oregon certainly are those schools. And, and then, you know, it was just kind of curious to see what Cal and Stanford could do, you know, where could they land? And they landed in the ACC, which to me is absurd. And it's absurd as yeah. sending Oregon to, you know, just think if you're, you're the Stanford coach, you're going to play at Miami, at Florida state, at Clemson. Good luck getting there with your softball team and your baseball team and, and everybody else, right? So it's 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 a little bit. I think we're all a little bit in shock on it, and and I don't like the. I'm not a huge uh, uh, advocate for the major, the you know, the super conferences. I prefer region regionality. We agree wholeheartedly. Listen, first of all, congratulations on having the greatest nickname of any coach in basketball, which is. Coach FEMA. I'm like, uh, I, I saw that. And almost peed, I almost peed my pants because professionally, I work with FEMA data all the time. I'm like, wait, there's a coach FEMA? This is awesome. I'm like, do you get like a bunch of trailers in your yard or something? You just roll them around to different venues. I'm like, all right, we're here. We're here. We're taking over. The weather's nice. We do tents. So given all, given all these changes, how do you compete as a coach now? I mean, your, your coaching ability is great. I mean, you, you took this team that that I think they won a pair of socks the year before you got there, and you take them to almost <laughs> to the, the NCAA. <laughs> like the one sock, yeah, for and, I and so, how do you compete in that environment? Yeah, I first I know the Mountain West. I, I I respect all the coaches in the Mountain West, but I felt like that I really wanted to be in this league, and um, and and I and I'm thankful that San Jose State hired me. And it really kind of reminded me of my very first job, Mayville. And uh, Carrie Johnson, my wife, said at the time, she's like, this isn't a rebuild, this is a build. And um, she said, uh, <laughs> the same thing, she said the same thing about this job. And and I, I think that we can put a blueprint together, we can build a winner, our recipe works. We know that whatever league that we're in, we can find a way to compete and, and advance that program. And, and I just felt like we could do that here. And it, it has changed. And, it, and I tell you, Bob, it, the thing that concerns me is like, okay, if, if you know, how am I going to recruit, you know, and if it really does, is it really just come down to raising as much NIL money as I can to be able to? Because if you look at our league, 
there's six or seven schools over 400, $500,000 of NIL money in men's basketball. And we have zero. And so, you know, I feel bad for our kids, but we, we lost a, a, a player this year to a, a power five school that, you know, he's going to make a hundred thousand dollars. It's hard not to tell him to not go, you know? Yep. Um, and, uh, and so he did, and, and that's just part of the deal, but it's a little bit deflating to, you know, be on the receiving end of that. Right. Yeah. So, because even if you, if you get on with these big programs and you make your NIL money, if they don't want to cut you, you're still getting paid. So you might sit on the bench and get paid versus going and playing the game yeah. and and maybe making, you know, betting on yourself. My question so is, is that what you look for, the kids who want to bet on themselves? Yeah, and I, I agree with that. And the, the other thing I'd say to about NIL is, you know, everybody gets paid a little bit on the front end, right? You have a reputation as uh, someone in your field or industry or whatever. So so you get paid, but but we pay everything on the front end with NIL, it looks like, right? I mean, I want that to be performance-based. Let's put the NIL money and put a value on it. You know, let's let's make it full value if we win and go to the NCAA tournament. Let's make it half value if we have a losing record. And and so if you think you're going to make a hundred thousand if we go to the NCAA, you're only going to make fifty thousand uh, if we don't. Uh, I mean, let's 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 just do it. We'll call it what it is. Let's get a salary cap. Let's let's pay them as employees and and let's get going and and just have a set of rules because right now it it's kind of the wild wild west. And who gets what? And you know, players aren't even are directed by collectives not to tell each other what they're getting. And why would you carry around that burden or that secret? Um, I I don't think that's a healthy behavior, you know, to to have anyway. Right. Hey Tim. So so believe it or not, we're we're actually off to a really good start with Sunday morning quarterback. Last month, we had sixty thousand views. Wow. So. There's going to be a lot of people. You go and watch it every day, Jay, like three times a day. <laughs> run that up there. Yeah. Well, yeah. At, a, at 20, a penny of you. 20,000 20, are my kids. But, um, <laughs> but, but uh, Tim, so a lot of people may be meeting you for the first time. And I think you have an incredible story going all the way back to Dolan, South Dakota. I mean, 50 people. Can you just give everyone a thumbnail of your career and how you ended up in the Power Five? Yeah. Uh, I'm a gentleman of great good fortune and good timing in my life. There's no doubt about it. I grew up in Dolan, South Dakota. I was the youngest of five kids. I graduated number seven in my high school class, which we've already established. There was only 13 kids in the class. Uh, and it's, uh, <laughs> it's, you know, forever I told people I, I was in the bottom half of my class and then a guy made me count to 13 and I saw seven <laughs> felt right in the middle. So I wasn't a math major either, surprisingly enough. I was an elementary ed major at Mary College in Bismarck, North Dakota because I could do the math and because it clearly provided me fourth graders or college male athletes. It's kind of the same deal. So, so I uh, started coaching at Northern state in Aberdeen as an NAI coach. I took a, the Mayville state job when I was 28 years old, they had been two and 22 the year before we got there, two and 22 before that they were awful won 10 games in three years. And we won two league championships, went to the national tournament um, and, and really, you know, I uh, did some fun things that way. I, then I got Southwest State in Marshall, Minnesota. We built that team into a uh, NCAA team, won our conference, uh, went to the NCAA regional for the first time in school history, won the regional, went to the Elite Eight. Uh, and then I got North Dakota State, which I thought I had arrived. I thought, oh, here's this kid from Dolan, and, and I got the Bison job. I went to school in Bismarck, North Dakota. Everything was the Bison all the time. I was so fired up. And I was there seven months and we had a new athletic director during that changeover. And 
They pull us in, me, the football coach, the wrestling coach, and the women's basketball coach. And the AD says, we're going to Division One. And everyone's, okay, great. What league? Well, we don't have a league. And so we went Division One three years later, two years later. So three years Division Two, three years Division One independent. And nice. holy cow. I mean, how about this road trip? We flew to Utah, Orem, Utah, played Utah Valley State, and then connected the next day to get to Brownsville, Texas, to play Pan American, Texas Pan American. Come back. It's like a five-day, six-day trip. We put on like a billion miles. I was like, could have flown first class in Delta the rest of my life. Wow. Uh, we end up back uh, the next weekend, and it's Fort Wayne, Indiana for IPFW over to NGIT, Newark, New Jersey, to play um, uh, New Jersey Institute of uh, of technology. Those are like some of our road trips that we took and we fashioned this thing and it was great, but I had a really good team. I put together a, so, so hang on, hang on one second, Tim. That sounds like the travel prescription for a lot of these teams in these big collective yeah, networks. Good luck. What's the impact like on the kids awful. who have to it's, make that travel? It's debilitating. Honestly, it hurts their grades, hurts their sleep. It hurts their mental health. It's not good. I don't like it. I didn't like it then. And, and, but we had a hell of a team now. Uh, we had a, a group of young kids and my, I think in 2005, six, we beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin when they were 12 in the country or 13. The next year we beat Marquette at Marquette when they were eight and we're never behind in either game. And Jay, we had 52 turnovers in those two games, wow. six each game. And we're only behind, I think one possession, but uh, out of like 150 possessions, which tells you this turnovers are overrated. Anyhow, Colorado <laughs> state, we went out there and lost. We lost 82-80, but the AD came up to me after the game. He goes, I like the way you handle your team. And he called me that spring and hired me. Um, and Paul Kowalczyk was great. And and when I got to Colorado State, we inherited a situation where uh, we uh, there was a DUI. Then there was felony identity theft by another kid. And then one of our players pulled a, a weapon and fired a clock into a couch uh, at, uh, at my other player, which makes it tough in the locker room. You know, when right. those things happen, yeah. you know, people are, <laughs> they don't trust each other. And so are you going to pull that gun? Set the, here? You better set that pick for me. You better set it. So, <laughs> wreck your couch. So, so oddly enough, we had to get rid of like 12 guys on that team. They were melting guns, man. And, um, uh, and it was crazy. So we started out awful, but we built up a winner and we, you know, went to the NCAA my last year there and, and left them the, maybe the best team they've ever had. And, uh, and then I took Nebraska and was just, you know, and it was, it was good, good. It was just good fortune that we had a hell of a team and it was good timing. Um, and then I always wanted to be in the big 10. So a chance for me. And when I grew up, my sister went to OU and we went to some Nebraska games. Some of my best friends had moved down to Lincoln uh, right out of college. So I'd spent a whole bunch of time. I'm probably Bob. I'm probably the only guy you've ever met in your life. Well, you haven't really met me. I mean, we're looking at, at this thing. You know what I'm talking about. I may be one of the only persons you've ever known that um, I had a, I was an NEI assistant at Northern State in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and I scheduled meetings with um, the University of Nebraska coaching staff. And it was Jeff Smith was my host. Gary Bargan was there. Danny Nee was the head coach. And I met with them for a full day. They gave me a tour. We looked at film. They showed me some offensive sets. And I was supposed to go to Kansas and meet Roy Williams uh, and, um, uh, and his staff then the, like two days later. So it was like Friday, Saturday in Lincoln, Sunday, Monday in, in, uh, in Lawrence. And I learned so much and, and did so great that I canceled my Kansas basketball trip because Nebraska was so bad <laughs> that I went home. 
So I might be the only okay, so ever done that. Understand, we're still upset about how things ended. We're not going to get into that because there's probably some contractual reasons why you can't, but we're still upset about it. So, Tim, um, first, thanks for doing that. That was really cool. Um, this is a football podcast, so uh, and you are Coach FEMA. <laughs> and uh, it's evident that Matt Rule is in the middle of a very challenging rebuild, in particular after the Scott, Scott Frost years. What advice would you give Matt Rule? Have you ever met him? And, and if you if you were talking to him, what would you say in terms of how to execute this rebuild? You know, I I um I, I paid attention when my son was still running track in high school, and I haven't paid as much attention since he graduated because um, I would get the Lincoln paper and I'd get all the news and the updates and stuff like that. And and I he was very he's a very impressive man, right? And yeah. I, I you know you look at what he did at Baylor, and I just can't assume that he can't figure out how to be successful in Lincoln, Nebraska with, with, you know, everybody's got great resources and everybody's going to have big crowds. And there's a, you know, when you're in that league, the intensity of fandom, as we talked about is phenomenal, but, you know, I think there's some, some, some real cool things in Nebraska that everybody else has, for instance, there's no pro sports culture. So really the, the, the young people are celebrities, you know, I mean, and it's pretty cool for them to be a part of that. It's not that way at Rutgers and Maryland and, uh, you know, it's not that way in some of those other schools, you know, like if you're at some of those other big 10 schools, but it's that way in Lincoln, Nebraska, at the University of Nebraska. And I think you can really build on that. And and I think the, the support is there. I think rule will get it done. And, I, you know, the hardest thing is and and he'll do it, but you just got to stick to the recipe. Again, the recipe right. works. Stick to your recipe. Right. You know what right. you can be and what you can do. And there's certain adaptations you always have try and, you know, evolve your teaching ability and your schematic stuff and all that, but you don't have to be anything else than who you are. And, and, the, and then a lot of things have to fall in place. And again, you're in a gigantic league, right. Um, with all these teams, but let's get to a bowl game, man. I, I, I got there. I, I mean, people would plan trips. They're like, Oh, we can't do that. We got a bowl trip. We don't know where we're going. We might be going to Nashville. We might be going to uh, Jacksonville, Florida, you know, I mean, they, they knew they were going somewhere and God, you know, I mean, it's been since what Mike Riley and the foster farmers bowl, foster right. farms bowl or whatever it was that, that, you know, I think the Huskers haven't been to a bowl. Let's get back to that bowl game stuff. And that was fun. And, and, and it was great for the basketball coach. Cause then they didn't even think about me until after the first of the year. <laughs> <laughs> so the schedule, the schedule is favorable. So we're on, on the road tomorrow at, at Illinois. And then it's uh, Purdue, Northwestern, and Michigan State, who's having some trouble. So, theoretically, Michigan State's having trouble. <laughs> theoretically, they could be bowl eligible in a month, right? The typical Husker optimist, right there. <laughs> if there's one of him, they've cloned him and made a million. Oh, it's okay. Now you have to answer something honestly for us. Oh, we no. have I couldn't right now, right now, the worst fans in the Big Ten in our experience are Minnesota fans. You know when when they're what, yelling mean what's your stuff. Opinion? Yeah, when they're yelling mean stuff. I mean, you kind of think I I think we had the good fortune. There was really never an incident or anything like. I mean, they're always going to yell stuff, but we didn't ever really have like you know there nobody threw anything. There was no. And, you know, fans are fans, you know, and I've been called a lot of names. Some I had to look up. Uh, <laughs> but, 
but it, you know, I, I, the problem was I looked him up on my phone. I'm like, God, if they go, you know, if I get in trouble, the feds come in, you know, and they search my search history, they're really going to document this. That didn't happen. That was a lie, but it was a pretty good story. Not good. Tim, you look, you look great. California looks great on you, man. You, you've got your tan. You lost some weight. You got a nice fresh haircut. You look right. Good no, I just you. actually groomed today. So there you go. <laughs> So final final question, and we'll finish right on thirty minutes. How is your golf game? Oh, you're right. oh I knew this was coming up. Listen, I knew this was coming this, up. Jay. Hey Bob, you got to be careful with Coach Miles. I'm just telling you, you'll be you'll be ahead seventeen holes. You'll be up like three hundred dollars, and then you'll be one hole later, you'll be sitting in the bar, forking <laughs> over the dough. I will tell you this: I still play that weak bleed, uh, slicey, fadey thing that gets a little bit out of whack on me. And I still have that handicap at a, the right number that allows me for success in that in that bar uh, afterwards, you know. And, and that I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I hit a couple of good shots. Yeah. I got a, I, know, I, mean, wow. I made par 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 the, to end. It's a miracle. Expert on the press on how to how and when to apply the press. Yeah, I mean, you you either win coming in on the on the you know on the understanding what the rules of the game are, the rules of engagement. Uh, like where do we stand? Uh, how many strokes do I get? Or, um, or you win up right at the end going out when, you know, you just got to pressure way into success. Wait, Jay gives you strokes? Well, he should. I didn't, I mean, I didn't I know he knew how to do that. He's way better. I'm just <laughs> like, like, Jay, Jay just walks to the course assuming he's getting six strokes from I think like, I was, getting six, right? I think you're going to get slower than mine. The Husker coach, uh, gratuity is what we call that. I think you can just. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with us, coach. Go Big Red! Go Big Red! Go Big Red! <laughs> <laughs>